You're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast. So let's make love to life. Hmm. Love versus desire. <laughs> In this episode, we will discuss dark desires, anal sex toys and how to be in integrity as an attractive woman who wants nothing more than to live in the heart and be sexy too. Asti Mari, who is the guest today, is a former stripper who has transformed her life to now help women empower themselves through sexual embodiment. So she landed on my path in a very serendipitous way. And from the moment I saw her offerings and her authentic way of expressing herself, I knew this was going to be a really great match. And honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes so far. So enjoy. <laughs> Episode number five, opening your heart and pussy. One day I was basically searching the internet for sex toys. Yeah, because I wanted to spice up the sex life with my partner and particularly uh, focused on anal sex. And so I was searching and I came across, you know, different companies who were creating glass toys. And there was one in particular that I really, you know, I browsed for quite a while, just kind of investigating what was there. And I thought to myself, like, actually, I should be an affiliate for a company like this. Like, that was literally my thought. And the next day, Asti emailed me. Like, it was that quick. And it wasn't even her website that I was on, but the toys that she sells are exactly the ones that I was looking at. And I was just like stunned by how quickly this manifested, uh, how quickly the universe responded and how obviously, um, yeah, this is something that I am meant to promote um, because of the work of intimacy that I offer. Um, but very much know this, this pleasure aspect of healing that is so important, not just, you know, with a partner to connect more deeply, but very much within ourselves. So immediately I said, yes. <laughs> and she's been very generous. She sent me not just the butt plugs, but also um, a, what do you call this one? It's called Squirt for Me. So it's like Wait for the me. names are all something me. So there's activate me, align me, heal me. And that one's for squirting. So it's called Squirt for Me. And that's everybody's favorite. It sells out like five times faster than everything else. And now you know why. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, they're really amazing, really amazing. So I've, I've had about a week and a half to, to play with them, um, but very much before she even sent them, I already felt like I, I want to connect with you. I want to know more about you because I, I, I went to your podcast. I went to your website. I obviously receive your emails now. And I think there's a lot to you, uh, obviously, than just sharing pleasure tools uh, with the world. So, yeah, introduce yourself just a little bit and we'll, we'll take it from here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I also love how we met. I think that's so amazing that you just put that out into the universe and I must have known and reached out. I think that's really beautiful. Um, so I'm a female sexual empowerment coach. And so one part of what I do is the toys. And then I also do group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So really what I do is I help women come back into their bodies, back into their feminine, their sensuality, their sexuality, their pleasure. And I use sexual empowerment as a stepping stone towards um, personal empowerment. So it's not just about sex and about pleasure and orgasms, even though we love all of that. But what I truly believe is that if a woman does the work to claim this coronate aspect of herself, she really claims like a, a sense of empowerment overall in every other area of her life. It's that like disconnection from our sexuality that's led to a lot of women feeling incomplete and like they're not enough. So when you do that work and come fully into alignment, you reclaim your power in every sense of the word. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. Mm -hmm. I'm actually about to record uh, a course called Attract Your King. Uh, mm -hmm. So that one obviously is for women. And then there's the other one, Catch Your Queen for, for the men. Oh. But the one regarding women, it's, it's really about that magnetism. No, a woman doesn't go and catch her man. That's what a man does. And it's really like how to activate that magnetism, the way I magnetically attracted you to, to give me these beautiful toys, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. that course is actually focused on, like you say, the embodiment and the, the activation through the sexual connection we have with ourselves to then allow the universe to respond. 
So what I'm curious about is obviously where you started. Like, was it, was it that you were um, very sexually embodied from a very young age or was there some kind of blockage in your sexuality that, that pushed you into opening this, this gate or like, what exactly is the story behind it? Because there has to be something that allowed you to go on your own hero's journey, you know, to be here and share it. Yeah. Um, I feel like my sexuality has been like where I've felt the most empowered and it's where I've also felt the most disempowered. Like it's been my greatest teacher overall. I do think when I was young, I was naturally very sexual as a little girl. And I actually begun to lose touch of that when I got older, probably like around the time when I lost my virginity. Because after I first had sex with somebody, it wasn't like a full yes to me. I kind of felt like I was in a position where I had to and I used sex as a tool to keep my partner's love um so then obviously like I was disconnected from my pleasure like always prioritizing their pleasure and I was allowing my ability to please them to determine my worth so after a little while I really started to disconnect from my pleasure altogether um I didn't really have much sex education so what I grew up learning like I based everything off what I saw in porn and we know that porn I mean it's better now there's more like feminine um, porn directors and it's it's shifting a little bit now but back then it was very much based around the male model of desire arousal and orgasm and it's women acting out the male model of orgasm to please men. So then I was like for years questioning, like, what is wrong with me? Like I wasn't having those orgasms that you yeah. see porn where they're like, you know, they're like turned on in two seconds and then they're like yeah. having these hard, fast, uncontrollable orgasms within a few minutes. So I would like question myself and thought that there was something wrong with me and that I was broken. Um, and I guess for me, my first step into reclaiming my sexuality was through dancing I started pole dancing um and then that soon led into stripping so my pole dance teacher one day was just like does anyone want to come try stripping with me and I don't think she really like meant it seriously when she asked but I put my hand up and I was like yes me I was always really fascinated by the power of a sexually embodied woman um and then mag- like we've been saying the magnetism of that so there was something that really drew me into that. And I I danced for nine years. And in that wow. nine years, I felt like I reclaimed like a beautiful, like a healthy relationship to my body. I felt confident in my body. Whereas before I used to feel really insecure, like undressing in front of friends. I wouldn't do it. Undressing in front of a partner, I felt really insecure. And having sex, instead of being in my body, I would be up in my head kind of just going over like do I look okay like is he judging me do I look funny in this position and stripping Mm -hmm. really allowed me to eliminate all of that I think a big part of it was seeing other women and seeing other like real natural bodies and just having that realization of like we are all so different but we're all beautiful in our own way and also having the permission from these other women because they were also like free and like owned who they were owned their sexuality like loved their bodies they were confident so it was almost like this underlying like oh if they can do that then I can do that too so So, I learned a lot through stripping and then what really what I wanted to do is I wanted to give back to other women what stripping gave me but in a healthy container because the adult entertainment industry is not like a, a completely safe and healthy container so I wanted to yeah, like what I just said, just give back to other women what stripping gave me. Because being a dancer, I was actually become more aware of how disconnected we are from our sexuality. Just the way women would kind of respond or like judge me for being a dancer. It was almost in two parts. They were like excited, like everyone wants to know more, right? Like, oh my God, so fun, tell me more. But at the same time, like a little bit judgmental and like, I can't believe you're doing that. And it took me a little while to realize that they were just relating to me in the same way they, that they relate to their own sexuality. So I was just being a reflection to them of where they need to love themselves more. And that's where it kind of all clicked. And I was like, wow, there's so much, like we're pulled so out of alignment. There's so much like guilt and shame and like heavy emotions that we hold around something that should really be so loving and beautiful and based on pleasure, right? 
Um, so that's kind of what inspired me. And then I started studying from then and did um, a little bit of Tantra and sex love and relationship coaching and built my business off that. Mm. Yeah, it's been a fun journey. <laughs> wow. Okay, that was really, there were so many parts where I just wanted to like, <laughs> sorry, like jump like, in with, with more questions. Cause, yeah, because I think the last thing you said was actually really interesting and, and I would like to go into that because you're right. I think there must have been so much, yeah, like uh, judgment that is like you, you can sense it even if people don't want to make it obvious. Mm. And so, for example, um, I mean, I didn't feel this with you, actually, um, the thought of like, oh, there must be trauma behind it. But I've met strippers before in my life where or ex strippers where I could really feel uh, the trauma behind it, no? And I mm -hmm. think that um, either that judgment is there, like, oh, something must be broken to, like, need that attention. Or, um, or like you say, uh, you know, the judgment of wanting that sexual empowerment and lacking it. Like, I, I bet there's a lot of that as well. Um, so how about we explore some of these judgments? Because... I definitely, with you, I wanted to go into the topic of dark desires, really this, um, especially the, the, you know, empowerment aspect of it, either being overpowered, which is the desire of many people. Mm. Uh, also, men obviously want to be overpowered and they, they come to a strip club to, to be teased in that way, mm. right? Like they, they want that tension. And recently I had a conversation with a dear sister of mine who had a major blockage in her sexuality and then suddenly she called it the Lilith no like the Lilith energy came out yeah, and yeah. she's aroused all the time and all she basically wants to do is get herself um a fuck boy <laughs> no yeah, yeah. And to her it was completely new and you know many of us are on the spiritual path and of course what you teach and what I teach it's all about the respectful alignment of our sexual empowerment and manifest for the goodness no it's not about playing games or manipulating it's not about mm. any of that and yet I think that if we push away these darker desires it it obviously doesn't allow the full light to shine um, so, okay, I'm drifting off a little bit. Let's go back first to these judgments, because I think that they're really interesting to look at. Uh, what What do you have to say for yeah. this kind of judgment? I mean, overall, like if somebody is judging you, it's usually a reflection of them, right? Because growing up in society, we get taught that our sexuality is dirty, that it's shameful, that it's disgusting, that it's wrong. Like we don't want to be a slut. Um, so women over time learn to disconnect from or disassociate this part of of themselves or like suppress it and if you're doing that to yourself and judging that part of yourself and disconnecting from it then naturally you're going to be doing that to other women too um what, so what was your personal experience and women you were young because you were young when you started so yeah. it's like yeah you were empowered but you were also becoming right yeah yeah so it for at the beginning, it was hard because I didn't really want to tell everybody. Like, it was a secret. And it's funny. There was, like, a period of time where my my boyfriend at the time had found out. I didn't tell him, which is, like, a huge mistake on my part, which I would never lie to someone like that again. But I also knew that he was, like, he was quite insecure in himself and judgmental already about the pole dancing. So I would be in the club just doing pole dancing shows, like not stripping, so I'd still be wearing like a little pole dancing outfit. And he would come down and like he would come to support me, but he'd actually be standing in the corner of the room with his arms oh folded, God. like just death staring any guy that came up to talk to me. Fuck. So it started back, <laughs> it started then actually. It actually started when I was pole dancing. So feeling his judgment there was the first moment where I felt judgment for expressing my sexuality in that way um and it was confusing because I was like well this is the first time that I felt so empowered in my body pole, pole dancing but why is the person that's meant to love me judging me for doing this and then what really got to me I remember this one moment I think it was around the same time he kind of criticized me for like being too slutty for the pole dancing that I was doing and we were living together and I remember waking up one night and coming out into the living room and I saw him like watching a video. I don't think it was porn, but it was just like a girl doing like a little striptease. And I was like, how can you 
be yeah. like hypocritical. They're talking down on me for doing this, but then actively going out of your way to search for it on the internet. And I think what this did for me in that moment, I think I was like, I must have been around 20 when this happened. And for me in that moment, I I begun to create the narrative that either you will be loved or you will be desired. And I believed you couldn't have both together because this is obviously what he desired. He was going out of his way looking for it. But he was like trying to pull me away from being that version of myself, right? So I, I think that's what kind of pushed me into stripping because for me in that moment, I was like, had the belief that love was to fully own and I felt like I was being like kind of possessed Mm -hmm. and like put in a cage and to Mm -hmm. be desired for me was like to be free and to be wanted like there's something so sexy in that and like the wanting right so in that moment I decided like fuck love I want to be desired I'm going to be a stripper and I mean this was years ago right this is over 10 years ago so now I know that that's not true but just with those little things that I was picking up in those early years of my pole dancing, that that was the narrative that I created. And, and it, it is a dance trying to balance love and desire, but you can you can have both together when you work at it. But that's what I believed when I was younger. Yeah, I, I really want to jump. I just made a note. Yeah, <laughs> I really want to jump into that in a, in a moment. But since you're talking about partnership. I can imagine, I mean, you were young, first of all. And uh, like you said, no, there there was a lack of transparency from the beginning. But I can also imagine like, oh my God, like a man needs to be fully embodied, uh, owning his own masculinity to uh, be okay with having other men desire his woman. I mean, yeah. in all, if we're really honest, I think any good looking ma- uh, woman or a man in a relationship is going to be desired by others, right? It's like, right. whether we admit that or not, but obviously being in a position of dancing, um, oof, it's like, yeah, you need a man with balls. So mm. how, during those nine years, like what was the worst experience of, of having a partner um, or, or did you avoid that completely? Um, and what was the best experience where you felt like actually this guy came close to uh, understanding um, and respecting you for it? Um, so I only had one relationship in those nine years. I dated a lot, like casually. And what I really have noticed is like at the beginning, everyone's fine with it. It's once they start to fall in love with you that mm. it becomes an issue. Because every guy's like, oh, I'm dating a stripper. Like it's fun. It's exciting then they start to fall in love with you and then it becomes a problem. I was dating one guy for maybe nine months and it was, we were dating exclusively and it did start to get more serious. Um, And I wanted it to be more. So I wanted us to be like actually in a relationship and I felt like he wasn't committing to me and I didn't understand why, but I eventually like got out of him that it was the dancing And for him, it wasn't necessarily about his insecurities and me being there and doing that for work. He was worried about what his friends were going to think of him and what his, like the people that he works with were going to think of him. Um, So my, like, when I first started dancing, I told myself I'm not going to stop for anybody because somebody who loves me will will accept all of me, including me and what I'm doing for work. Um, So that was the boundary that I set from the beginning. So once I found that out, I actually left him. We stopped seeing each other. Um, I have had friends actually leave stripping altogether to be with somebody and then they just end up resenting them anyway, right? Because they're having to give up a huge piece of your identity to be with someone. Um, And then I did have a five-year relationship in the last five years of dancing. And yeah, he was fine. He'd like, there was never any issue about stripping. He never brought it up or like, get like hassled like he was it was just like he was completely supportive with it the other like I do I do know that he didn't love it if I came home and went oh my god I met this guy and this happened it was more like just keep the stories at work and he was accepting that way but didn't want to know all of the ins and outs and details of what was happening each night wow we did with that in that relationship there was one boundary where I was allowed to go dance in the club but not do any private so I wasn't going um because some guys would like take you out for like dinners or you go to a hotel and do private shows and stuff like that that was the one boundary that we created and we both agreed on um and I was happy to do that 
because I understood where yeah. he was coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That's really respectful. But I learned my um, lesson in that first, my first relationship where I didn't yeah. tell him the truth and I snuck behind his back. So then yeah. from then on, I've just been like, I'm a stripper. This yeah. is who I am. Amazing. And that's what I wanted yeah. to say before, actually, is like with the judgment that you receive, with the judgment that I was receiving from other women, especially, what I had noticed is the more I became so confident in what I was doing and owned it and just like, and shared it like, yeah, I'm a stripper, whatever. The more I was confident in that, the more other people were accepting of it. So after like a couple of years of like maneuvering that and like, I guess coming out as a stripper, once I began to fully own it, then I wasn't criticized at all. Like nobody said anything. So just Mm -hmm. as you're being, just as people being triggered by you as a reflection of where they need to love themselves, you can look at it in the other way. If Mm -hmm. people are talking down on you it's like that's a reflection of where you need to accept yourself more too yeah and then there could be like little self-judgments hiding in in the dark corners no that we kind of don't want to be aware of but I think we're all the hardest on ourselves very often whether we want to consciously admit it or not yeah that's really beautiful and actually you're giving me a nice reflection because when I heard that I was just curious I was like oh this woman has a story (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) And the fact that you're offering these programs, I, I could really see from the, yeah, the moment. It's not like I researched a lot. I actually just listened to one episode um, on your podcast, but there were little snippets here and there that I just felt like, oh, yeah, like I can feel your your confidence and your softness and it's not showing off, but it's also not hiding. It's it's just like, yeah, this is what I bring. Not mm. everyone's going to be attracted to it, obviously. Mm. Um but the ones who are, are going to be in alignment with that. And I was just really curious to like yeah. hear more of the story. Yeah. Um, but what you said that. about that's not who I am. I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm, yeah. yeah, I am just very honest and open. And then a lot of people I meet are actually like, you share everything on Instagram. I don't know how you do it, but I just have nothing to hide. And what's really yeah. beautiful in that is how you were saying, like, sometimes we have things tucked away in dark corners the more you bring all of that to the surface and the more you sit with the parts of yourself that you find uncomfortable to love or accept, the more you get to know the darkness in yourself and feel comfortable in that. I think other people feel more comfortable sharing with you. So now, because I'm so open and like, there's no judgment, like it's just like, it is what it is. I like, I always say to my friends and like people I meet, like I have a way of getting people's secrets out of them. Like I'll be in the back of an Uber and an Uber driver will just be telling me like, yeah, sexual fantasies or like girls message me on Instagram like I've never told anybody this before but I need to tell somebody like I'm just that person and I love it it's so exciting yeah (laughs) I have exactly I have this I have this same gift it's it's really remarkable no and exactly as you say well for me it's not exactly the back of an uber but because here in in Thailand you know they don't they wouldn't be able to share even if they wanted to but (laughs) (laughs) But like, I remember obviously when I was back in Peru and I speak Spanish and being in a public bus, it was, it just amazed me even for a culture like Peru, no, that, that they would just open up like that. And yeah, similar to you, I really like this gift of just like, yeah, you have to be that, um, yeah, that vulnerable example of who you, yeah, what you wish to send out and therefore what you wish to have reflected back at you. Mm -hmm. So when I hear you say, um, you know, you're, an open book and you share very vulnerably and you get that reflection um I can see for myself like where I've grown in the way that I vulnerably share um because me too I always try pushing myself over that boundary of like okay let's be more vulnerable let's be more vulnerable recently I had a pretty vulnerable post and it took me a couple of months because I I just felt like I was so deep in the process that I wanted to bring across in the best way possible uh what this was truly about Um, But what I've seen in the past is that sometimes I would hold back in expressing myself because everyone online, especially online, has an opinion. And I think we live in a world where uh, there's there's a certain sense of anonymity, especially on Facebook or Instagram, even though the profile name is there, even though you may know these people, they somehow feel they are entitled in giving unasked for advice. I've, I've created posts about this as well, where it's like, uh, instead of thinking that you understand what the person is going 
through how about asking a question first you know yes. as opposed to yeah. but I remember I struggled with this a lot in the past where I was like for fuck's sake like when I'm down or angry or sad or vulnerable and there's something hurting or I want to admit the scars of the past and then these people come along and give advice that I don't know you know but similar to you and your confidence to, with me it had actually a lot to do with like just being open to receive support even if mm -hmm. I didn't ask for it or And, and these are these little things hiding in, in the dark corners, right? Mm. Um, so even if it's not advice that I will take on or whatever, but it was rather just allowing people to support and love in the way that they wanted to, you know, because obviously they came with good intentions. Mm. And the less I judged them in the way that they would respond to my vulnerable posts, the less that that actually started to happen. It was like really yeah, kind of fascinating yeah, yeah. where it's like, I, I, I gave up. That. I was like, yeah, whatever. People can say whatever they want and have an opinion or a judgment. If they don't get me, they don't get me. But if they do, they do. And, yeah. and suddenly it's like you, you become in alignment and, and you only attract the people who will take something with it from it. And the advice that comes is really uh, valuable rather than feeling like people want to be entitled or above. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And it's like, yeah it's so nice to like show up from a place of like this is who I am either you like me or you don't and I feel like that's where I am now um I came out of my relationship my last relationship a year ago but then I did 10 months intentional celibacy so I'm like very newly back into dating and being single and I did a lot of my personal development work over these last five years and I feel like before I would date from this place or my definitely dating but now that I'm saying that I'm like it's pro it was probably in a lot of areas in my life meeting people from this place of like I really hope they like me right now I'm like I love myself so I actually don't care if other people like me or not I'm more interested in finding out whether I like you right mm -hmm. and it's like it's, it's shifted everything and it's such a beautiful place to show up from yeah mm. yeah I love that so powerful so Let's go into desire versus love. Um, yeah, my partner does quite similar work as me. Um, and I know he did an episode on one of his podcasts regarding this, no? that sometimes there is real a separation between, um, yeah, let's say the good guy and the bad guy. No, the good guy wants to love and honor and respect his woman. And the bad guy basically wants to Uh, fuck and and have that sexy relationship no mm -hmm. and it's almost like these archetypical um yeah representation of the woman is divided and then when you enter union i mean him and i obviously have all the liberty to explore these facets and we spoke of it you know before i flew to thailand um, but obviously there are things that have to be integrated whilst being together And it's been really beautiful to see, like, because uh, similar to you, I've, I've had periods of celibacy. And the last one was really to align my heart with my sexuality, to have these two power centers speak the same language. And it's like, yeah, how can you, um, you know, have these power dynamics, for example, in bed or explore darker desires with your beloved um, mm -hmm. or even find somewhat of an edge of pain in the pleasure, but with the woman you love? Mm -hmm. um you know as opposed to needing needing a fuck buddy or a lover to explore mm -hmm. that darker desire with mm -hmm. and just have this tantric blissful um you know namaste type of lovemaking <laughs> with your partner it's like yeah but how Long do we bring it <laughs> exactly and it, this is really what interests me you know because it, it's almost like all of this separation is great And I think many of us have have wandered these paths in, in, in separation. I mean, I can speak for myself. Mm -hmm. I went from, you know, the, yeah, I, I wrote a post recently called Femme Fatale. Um, mm -hmm. So really this, like, I'm in control and I choose who I do what with. And uh, it was great exploration. And then I kind of fell into the Holy Virgin Mary, where it was super selective, deeper relationships that taught me a lot and very much revolving around Tantra. And then actually coming out of the other side saying, okay, how to combine these two. And mm. I think that this darkness is super important to embody because otherwise we're rejecting the taboo. And, and so it's, it's just an interesting thing because you discovered it through uh, stripping, obviously, where it was like, okay, so I'm either loved or desired. And if I'm loved, I'm judged for the desire. And if I'm desired, I may not be able to be loved. 
Yeah. So where are you yeah, now exactly. with this? Now I believe that you can have both together. And I think it's just in a relationship. It's just a beautiful dance of trying to balance these two energies. And I see it a lot with the woman that I'm working with is like, once you fall in love with somebody, often the desire does wane and like disappear. And it's like coming back to what I said before, love is about like having somebody and knowing everything about them. But desire is more about wanting and you can't want something that you already have. The desire is more about mystery as well. So really it all starts outside of the bedroom, right? And little things that you can do to create more desire is more separation, right? It's like two energies, masculine, feminine. If you're in a relationship and you're spending like day in, day out, all of your time with somebody, your energies tend to like mesh together and there's no space in between you. And that space is where the desire thrives and is built. So creating space and like spending more time with your own friends, having alone time. Um, in my last relationship, we used to travel separately a lot. So we did a lot of things by ourselves. Um, and I think for a lot of couples, it can help as well to ask, like, what was it? What are some things that you were doing at the beginning of your relationship that you're not doing now? Like any hobbies or interests or like things that you were doing as a solo thing and go back to doing that. So it's beginning by creating some space in between. Yeah. Mm. Do you find that's yeah, helped yeah, in your yeah. relationship? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, actually, we had that conversation yesterday where both of us felt like, um, I mean, whenever we want space, we, we create it for each other. But obviously, we've uh, been working on this house together, which was a major project. We've traveled together to the South. Now we have puppies. So it's like a new project that we have together, which is super beautiful. And especially when we're in a creative process, uh, like I'm recording these courses, he's busy with his own projects. It's like to not have, I mean, I don't want to call it interference, but it's like when we have uh, a space to just be with our own thoughts. Like yesterday, I had the whole day to myself. There's something that comes in with the creative force that simply isn't possible otherwise that brings us individual satisfaction for our lives. And like mm -hmm. you say, therefore this lust, no? And Esther Perel, uh, obviously all of her work is based on that, like the the combination of like, how can you feel secure and have that commitment uh, whilst having a sense of freedom? And I think mm -hmm. you and I obviously come from a different generation. Yeah, coming from a different generation. Um, you know, me born in 88, you're from 90 then, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, we're basically from this generation where we are reinventing relationship. No, mm -hmm. I don't know about the generation after us, but like, we are somewhat reinventing, like, yeah, there's that openness, there's that freedom, but we still actually want the commitment and that solid base. Mm -hmm. So for example, where I'm at with my partner is like, yeah, we're both monogamous and we want this committed, secure relationship. But obviously, we're both very sexual beings, and we still want to have this, um, yeah, space for exploration and bringing up things. So, for example, when we have sexual dreams, we share about it. And in the beginning of our relationship, there were for both of us things that had to be integrated regarding past lovers or past um, partners. And I think that a lot of people would probably go through something like that, especially when you know you found your life partner. Like yeah. for us, it's clear, like we're approaching creating a family together. You know? And I think especially in that phase, you, like things have to drop off from the previous, um, yeah. you know, archetypical expression of, of the beloved or the lover, whoever. Um, and so all of this purification happens very much in dream time or with desires that come up or the attraction we feel for someone in the surroundings. And if we don't share that with our partner, that's when the desire grows. And that's where it can start to interfere with what's happening in the partnership. Whereas if we dare to bring it up, like, oh yeah, I had a sexual dream with my ex, with my ex or ex-lover or whatever. It's like, oh, like it's the last thing you want to hear, obviously, yeah. coming from yeah. your partner. But when you just look at it symbolically, or, you know, in our case, for him, what came up was more this lover archetype, no, the, the, the women that he had no heart involved, but really this sexual connection. And for us to then include that into, um, yeah, just having like a moment of analyzing where are we at within our relationship and what do we need 
uh, to bring this uh, energy into the bedroom, no? And so there was a moment where we really explored his selfishness. And actually for myself, I can say like, yeah, it, it turns me on. It's actually one of the things if I self, when I self-pleasure, um, it's what turns me on a lot. Feeling mm-hmm. like my, my partner takes me for his own pleasure. Yeah. And it's that selfishness. And in your yes. Yeah. And like in Tantra, it's all about sensitivity. And, and I mean, he super respects me. He respects me more than anyone I've ever met. So mm-hmm. even when he's selfish or in his dark desire of just wanting like lust, it's like, of course I'm respected. And so I can let go. And then the, the, the dance of like, um, you know, surrender and being overpowered goes a lot deeper mm. um so yeah, anyway, yeah yeah now you can't concentrate you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're just like where, where, where were we <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 very sexy it's like yeah I actually I coach a men's coaching group every couple of months and I was teaching them about boundaries and consent especially like checking and asking for consent and then I did a one-on-one with one of the men afterwards and he's like, oh my God, you've opened my mind so much up to consent and where I failed to ask the consent in the past. And he's like, sometimes I just like slap my girlfriend on the ass and I don't ask her. He's like, I should be asking her first. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? Because there's like, then it takes away that like you being owned and ravished if a guy's like, may I slap you your ass and then slapping you. So it really comes down to like boundaries, right? Like and this is something else I find is interesting is most women don't have it in them to set boundaries and to say no when they're not feeling comfortable. But they also often tell me that they find that a man asking for consent isn't sexy. But there yeah. has to be one of those two things, right? I think ideally you'd allow the man to just lean all the way in and he needs to have complete trust in knowing that as he like guides you, if at any point you don't feel comfortable or safe or it's not serving you, that you're going to be able to say no. Yeah. And then obviously you need the trust and knowing that he's going to fully respect that. Yeah. And I think you and I both teach in that same way. I mean, the way that I hear you talk about the sexual embodiment courses, um, this mini course, like it's really a mini course that I created about the sexual embodiment because it leads to the big course Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really that, no, for a woman to know her pleasure, to know her her sexual connection, so that it's it's almost like an obvious response to either say, yeah. "Hey, this feels good," or yeah. "This doesn't," or "Hey, could you try this?" Because uh, the yoni and the mouth are so connected. No, it's like they're basically identical an- anatomically, yeah. and so the more open we are connected to our yonis, it's like yeah, naturally the mouth opens and speaks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I hear what you say, this consent aspect. I mean, I've had talks with a couple of guy friends about this and they've told me, I mean, sometimes I feel like I've lived on a different planet because for more than a decade, I've been living in spiritual communities. And so we all kind of create like a subculture that is part of like how we live. But if I sometimes hear stories coming more from, you know, the West, or I can imagine in, in cities where there's a trend in the way that you approach these kind of things. Uh, what I've come to understand is that this trend of needing to ask consent, which obviously is a byproduct or like how you say a consequence of the Me Too movement, yeah. uh, takes away. Like the pendulum swung too far one way. It needs to come Fuck. back. Yeah. yeah. And a guy friend literally spoke the words that on some level, men are afraid to be thought of as a rapist. I mean, he mm. put it like that. And I understand that this is not the thought that many men have, but it is kind of that energy like. But then they lose their masculinity. And then, considerate. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they lose their masculinity and then there's yeah. strong women going, what the fuck happened to these men? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if you're having sex with a man and if he's like, do you mind if I kiss you? Do you mind if I touch you here? Do you mind if I undress you? Do you mind if I lick your pussy? Do you mind? You'd kind of be like, do you know what you're doing or not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's such a dance, right? And I, like yeah. ideally you would hope that he could really read your body language. Yeah. I think for a lot of men, they are just so disconnected that they just get yeah. up in their head and it's like a one way, just so focused on the goal that they, they don't, they're not aware yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so how I teach is really, um, okay, let's establish trust and connection on all the other levels before mm. integrating sex. Mm. And I think that looking at it from a primal perspective or hormonal input, it's like, yeah, if we're driven by procreation, because that's often where this attraction comes from, obviously. It's like, if we just take that out, it's like, and dance with the tension. Uh, that's when we get to establish a sense of trust, no? Yeah. That uh, therefore yeah. easily yeah. gets expressed in the in the Yeah, I'm I'm actually loving this, like being more aware of all of this now and being single and like really like I feel like I'm way more aware of the red flags and everything instead of just being like, yeah, like me. And like before I think I would just like casually have sex and just like whatever it was fun but now I'm like even if I'm just casually seeing somebody there still has to be heart involved like I still want to get to know somebody emotionally and on a more energetic level before having sex um and it's yeah it's interesting there's one guy that I've been seeing who like loves the tension and wants to drag it out and I find that so attractive yet there's other men that I've like one guy I was actually meant to go on a date tomorrow and he's like, oh, I've booked the place. We'll go have dinner. And then he's like, I've bought, got drinks to have back at mine afterwards. I'm like, you're being very presumptuous. Like this is our first date and you're already planning for me to come back to your house. And then you're already turned off, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like so, seeing the spirits like in the first date or two or even before the first date, you already get a clear picture of their intentions. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is really... I feel like this is why I do my, why I offer my work. I mean, I'm one of the rare exceptions of the people who've never, ever in their lives been on dating apps. <laughs> but yeah. I know I'm still, I'm still find, found the love of my life. Yeah. Um, but I, I, and I know there's, there's positive aspects to dating apps, but it has also created this, this culture of like, yeah, you fuck to get, to get to know someone. Whereas the heart wants the trust to be there in order for that to be expressed in the sex, as opposed to using the sex to force the heart to come open and and therefore trust. Yeah. I always say for for most people, it's not that like sex should be the most intimate thing, right? But for most people, it's having breakfast the next morning. That's too mm, intimate, right? That makes people feel more more uncomfortable. It's crazy. mm. And it's funny, we could do like the most intimate thing with somebody and then it's almost like people yeah. like don't want to see that person again. Like they're like, oh, that guy, there's that guy from last night. Like I don't want to see him. So why would you not want to like spend more time with the person who you just made love with? Or this idea that like, and I think a lot of women do this in like a very defensive way where they probably they're like they're healing or their heart's closed off, they're afraid of getting hurt. But like all they're really wanting from a relationship is sex and not even getting to know the person. But I'm like, if I don't like actually just spending time with somebody why would I want to have sex with them like it's got to be built off more of that I think and it's when you do have those deeper emotional and heartfelt connections that's when the sex is going to be better anyway Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so I'm I'm trying to formulate a question in my mind I'm not exactly (laughs) sure how but I I want to bring that back to what you said in the beginning of the podcast where you refer to your first sexual experience, no? Something happened there. It put an imprint. It kind of disempowered you or disconnected you from your sexual being because it became about pleasing. And then sometimes, and I think there's actually a lot of women who can relate to that, where it's like, you know, obviously we're young when we lose our virginity. Um, and and sometimes it's, it's, I think for most teenage girls, it's like, yeah, how to surrender to, orgasm with a partner is different than masturbation there's mm-hmm. so many women who I mean have never had an orgasm or you know who anyway find it difficult to surrender because that's really the job of the woman of course um so s- there was an imprint right from your first relationship then you went into uh dancing and it, it slowly opened up this this connection to yourself and empowerment Um, And what I want to ask you is something to do with like, where did you feel that you could, um, that you had released that imprint of the past? And I'm asking because that's obviously the heart of my work. I Mm. I work a lot around, you know, imprints that um, have affected the heart from opening up Mm. uh, because it's the bad experiences that then create this trust and then 
cause for these kind of random sexual events that don't lead to anything because it's easier than actually opening the heart. So when did you feel like you could release that first experience of that first boyfriend? Consciously Um, or unconsciously? I think now that, like, I haven't really thought about this too deeply, to be honest, but I, I think the first time was in my next relationship. And so not my previous relationship, but the one that I had, Oh, the guy that I was with when I started dancing, actually. So he really loved me and I knew that he really loved me. So I felt really safe with him and he never pressured me to have sex. We actually didn't have sex for a while at the beginning of our relationship and he wanted to wait. He said that he really liked me, so he wanted to wait. So there's that space and the safety which allowed me to surrender, right? And when you're soft and surrendered, then your heart opens, your pussy opens, Um, and because of that I actually had my first orgasm with them the first time we did sleep together so that would have been really healing and letting go from my previous relationship but I think the bulk of my healing really was in personal development where it was like a journey on my own right and I think that's the most empowering way to heal on your own without relying on somebody else and that's essentially why I committed to intentional celibacy recently because I wanted to get to a place of feeling perfect whole and complete on my own and letting go like what you said of past heartbreak and hurts I'm not dragging all of that baggage with me and and placing it on someone else that I get into a relationship with um so most of it I would say would be in my own personal development work and doing a lot of work around self-love and that's what allowed me to, to now like set really strong boundaries around my sexuality because there's no longer that like needing love from other people because I already have all of that met on my, on my own within myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, cha- it's changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And then when you get a message like that from someone you not even gone on the first date with who's like, oh, yeah, so I booked this and that and blah, it's like, it's then so easy to say no, because yeah, you're just, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I know there's like, there's a lot of people that say you do the inner work and then all the guys that are attracted to you are totally going to change. And I was actually laughing about this last week. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, hello, have you seen me? Like every guy's going to be attracted to me, right? As women, guys are attracted to us. Like all types of guys not just one specific type of guy but it's more it's not necessarily about the type of guys that you're attracting it's about the type of guys that you're entertaining right because like this guy I've still attracted him into my life we still had that connection but it's now my choice of like I've seen this red flag am I going to keep entertaining this am I going to keep dragging it out or am I going to set the boundary now and walk away and really Mm -hmm. what happens is when you set that boundary and you go no I actually deserve more than this you send him on his way and you create space for somebody new, right? That's you exactly. energetically like stepping into this, this firm boundary. And that is what allows you to create space for the ideal person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always say we get tempted uh, when we're stepping into like, let's say the new form of our expression, especially mm-hmm. after a period of, of celibacy, you know, it's like, okay, you come with this fresh new vibration, but the universe is going to throw in that temptational energy of like these probably good looking guys who just, yeah, are no heart. Oh, yeah. and for you to then say up. no. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting now because I haven't had, I haven't slept with a man in almost a year. And I'm like, I feel like it almost feels like I'm losing my virginity again. Yeah. Like, it's like I'm like a little bit nervous, like really excited, but it feels like I get to rewrite the path. Yeah. It's like I get to exactly. reclaim that and like lose my virginity a second time in the way yeah. that I actually desired to. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I have these beautiful um what are these called? Uh you give them a name. That plugs. <laughs> They're called anal no. angels. Anal angels. Yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> it was like the trio, something. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, whoever is listening to this, um, just the audio form, uh, she has gifted me three anal angels, and they come in three different colors. One is transparent. The other one is, let's say, amber, 
and the last one is black and they come in three different sizes and as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast um, it was specifically butt plugs that I was looking for or sex toys for uh, the anus Um, yeah and I just want to open this space for us to like uh, discuss the pleasure of uh, the anus because I remember your your reaction was really like how you love the fact that that was like my aim, like specifically that, because it's not the usual, no, that comes up. Like, of course, when we want to squirt and discover the G spot and, and, you know, touch deeper into um, the sensitivity or the pleasure of the cervix and all of these standard things, well, not standard, but like things that we would go through for Mm -hmm. uh, more automatically, um, so what was your first experience or when did you first discover like the pleasure of, um, the anus and what is your relationship with the butt plugs? Just kind of like, uh, whatever it is that you want to share, whatever anecdote that comes up and yeah. we'll take it from there. I, <laughs> there's so many women who have never tried anal penetration or anal play. And I like, it makes me want to like shake them. I'm like, you're missing out on so much right? Because our anus has more nerve endings. So for often it's more pleasurable than vaginal penetration. And it just comes back to like all the shame that we carry around it. Um, so women feel ashamed in exploring it. Um, but I like now I love anal play. And I think the first time I did it was with my ex-partner. So I, yeah, the first time I did it was with a partner actually. And it wasn't until I brought these toys that I like explored it more on my own. But it can be a beautiful way to ease yourself into it as a, as a solo practice with anything really, right? It's important to learn your body and understand your pleasure before sharing it with a partner, um, especially with anal, because it can be quite intimidating the first time. But if you have begun to explore that and the sensation on your own, then it can be easier to, to explore it with a partner. And the butt plugs are a nice way to ease yourself into penetration um, with the different sizes as well. Like you said, the three different colors, they're three different sizes. Um, so it's a nice way to like warm up and move into being able to receive your partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love them. That's they're, they're so yeah. beautiful, those butt plugs. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the first time anal sex was introduced was actually with a lover. So someone I wasn't in a relationship with and we knew from the beginning, I mean, this was in the time I was living in India and my existence was very nomadic. And even though I had somewhat of a heart of a tribe, that was also nomadic. We would, you know, but there was just a lot of movement constantly. So there was a, a lover of mine who I really, I really liked him no? and he really liked me, but it was just open basically. Um, but yeah, he was really into this. Mm-hmm. And I think for a woman, especially in, in all my experience, when a man is just like determined to either discover it or he has already experience in it and he knows what it, what a woman needs to fully relax mm-hmm. there, it becomes easy. So somehow my, my initial, and it wasn't like we had anal sex from the beginning, but he was constantly stimu- stimulating, stimulating yeah my ass basically to the point where I knew what he was doing and I knew he he knew how to give me pleasure so it was easy to relax into that and since then I've had various partners who were into it um and then with my partner now it's very interesting like uh with Ruan there are certain things that in the past were easier to connect to probably because of this desire versus love thing that we talked about earlier where it's like how can we bring that together uh, so even though it was, let's say, easy to surrender to that pleasure in the past, what I noticed with um, Ruan is that, wow, I, I'm letting him in so deeply into me uh, mm-hmm. because it's not just about the sex, because mm-hmm. it's not just about desire and play and experimenting and so on. It's like, wow, when the heart is fully involved and it's actually the, the primary aspect of our relationship and to have sex be reflected it suddenly was, it was like my body was teaching me like deeper levels of surrender. And I think that this is when anal play uh, can be a really beautiful tool, no? Because obviously the anus, uh, if if women have tightness there, has a lot to do with repressed anger, no? 
And so I'm guessing, I mean, you know more about it since you sell these toys, but I'm also guessing that if a woman were to uh, play with herself or, or have a safe space to explore that with her partner with these butt plugs, that it can also be really healing to like let out screams or whatever, even if it doesn't hurt. No, like it, the anus holds so much. And the moment yeah. we, we can we, open like we that. all of our shit. <laughs> exactly it's the body part that we're most ashamed of and it's where we literally store our shit emotionally but also physically so anal penetration can allow you to release so much yeah 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 Yeah. but for me it's like it's like you say um I mean my favorite is is when there is vaginal penetration and then uh the butt plug gets introduced Mm -hmm. or even just Mm -hmm. a finger it's like it accelerates everything times a million yeah um, yeah 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 it's really yeah. beautiful how all these parts are interconnected no and mm-hmm. bueno just from my own like sort of um how you say intuitive insight like what I'm seeing um yeah now, now that we're you know me and my partner are talking quite a bit about pregnancy and all of that and of course I'm thinking about what would birth be like and all of it is connected to the root chakra there's a part of me that wants to explore more the relaxation of the anus or cervical orgasm and all of these things connected also as a way of preparing for birth I don't know if I'm taking the conversation completely off track oh yeah 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 I wanted to share that because I don't know who's listening to this or what people's experiences have been but it's like um something about like the female capacity to surrender. So whether it is opening up from our hearts to our partner or in trust to life, whether you're with a partner or not, like where you are, like you're so in trust that you are literally open and therefore the pleasure we as women are uh, able to experience orgasmically through all of these points in our root chakra, no? Like anus included, vagina included, clitoris included. It's like if there's any pain there or stagnation or tightness or tension or it it really is asking for that openness I would mm-hmm. say more so than than men of course men also have to surrender and learn how to trust and they have a feminine side but there's something in the power of women that these sexual tools can really allow us to spiritually evolve mm-hmm. yeah I believe that totally um I actually did do a few classes around pleasure and birth and it's really interesting to learn actually because everything that supports you through childbirth is actually everything that supports you to have an orgasm Mm -hmm. so if you are becoming very like sexually empowered and learning your boundaries and safety and surrender like that's all what's needed to orgasm is to orgasm and to give birth right this deep like sense of trust and surrender and the opening And also being able to tap into higher states of pleasure is going to support you through, through like releasing pain and discomfort as well. So sexually, like if you're having sex with someone and feeling um, stagnancy and blocked emotion inside your body, the pleasure that you cultivate through sex actually allows you to release a lot of this emotion that's why oftentimes as women we feel like we just want to like burst out into tears like halfway through lovemaking it's the pleasure creating a perfect safe container to release some of the pain and the same in childbirth a lot of women now will practice self-pleasure and massage and even like clitoral stimulation throughout the process of giving birth because it's that pleasure that allows them to release the pain and and go through that experience more easily yeah 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 incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really I incredible. And it makes birth. so much sense I definitely want to study orgasmic birth if I whenever yeah. I do if I do yeah yeah I think it's incredible yeah and for me the anus makes so much sense for some reason I, I can't explain it it's not like it's something I've read about or mm-hmm. or you know I'll dive into it more but it's more like I intuitively picked up on the fact that yeah this is so connected to the root chakra because whenever we are ungrounded like for example when I immigrated no from Peru to Asia I mean oh my god the grounding process took quite a while because the like the culture is different but very much the climate is opposite I came from high altitude dryness into full humidity and it fully affected my digesting my digestive tract but also sleep cycle and everything no Mm -hmm. and so when we're grounded it's like everything flows easily 
Mm-hmm. And it just somehow intuitively made sense. Like, yeah, when we're birthing, it's the most grounded practice we can do, right? Because mm-hmm. it's full bringing to earth through mm-hmm. the body. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing more. Um, yeah. And, and also stimulation of the cervix, which is kind of similar to what we talked about the anus, no? Bueno, the anus holds a different kind of tension or trauma or memories, but the cervix as well holds a lot. Uh, uh-huh. Even things like like what you shared, um, you know, uh, even if, if your first, uh, when you lost your virginity, wasn't that traumatic. It obviously had an imprint of like not being loved as much as you could have been. And mm-hmm. it's the cervix, I would say, that holds mm-hmm. that. And so mm-hmm. if women have deep penetration by their partners and feel pain, um, I just want to kind of sprinkle, uh, yeah, some dust onto or some inspiration onto this uh, through our conversation to like go explore your cervix with a wand like this. No, mm. uh, obviously there, this one is created. For there is one of the wands called Heal Me. So when you okay. buy the products, they all come with a practice, and Heal mm-hmm. Me is for vaginal dearmoring and cervical dearmoring. So that's its purpose, but it also comes with a practice that guides you through that. And Amazing. I think here what it's what's important to realize is that there's actually nothing wrong with pain. If it does feel like a little bit uncomfortable, you can, like when you get a massage, right? If someone's massaging you really yeah. hard, it might be uncomfortable, but that that pain is actually you like releasing some of the tightness and letting it go. The same thing with penetration. You can actually breathe into that pain and allow yourself to release it that way. As long as it's not not like unbearable, right? You don't want it to yeah. be completely unbearable. Um, but yeah, you can definitely use the wand to massage out any pain or discomfort, even numbness yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. Move back into and, pleasure. And, yeah, and so with a wand, whether it's this one or the one that you just talked about, um, what I like to do, and, and even whether we know our bodies or not, I mean the yoni it's it's such a universe on its own no? so like mm-hmm. it's constantly changing it's constantly bringing messages so even women who are used to being very sensitive can fall into numbness women mm-hmm. who know pleasure can suddenly have pain and um what i like to do is really rest in a particular point if the point ca- uh, catches my attention mm-hmm. and to also practice keeping the attention there even if there's no movement right uh, to just explore and breathe into it and see what is there Mm-hmm. um yeah so I I really yeah I love your tools really I love them a lot mm-hmm. and I think there's just a lot of like you say self-discovery that many women can can go through and I yeah yeah I just I love having you on the show because it's really yeah. easy to talk to to you about all of these different things um but lastly I just want to affirm what you said about pain it's like there's nothing wrong with it and I think that many of us have trained to like escape if there's pain, okay, we're out of our bodies, yeah. especially women do this. Like we're out of the body waiting for the pain to go away. Whereas if we just either tell our partner stop or stop ourselves with these pleasure tools, um, you say stop and they stay there and you practice presence and you practice breathing, like the massage that you just mentioned, it's like a whole world opens up and, mm. and it shifts no, in that moment. Yeah. And turns into pleasure. So a lot of women... Mm-hmm not just like physically and sexually, but even emotionally try and avoid pain. And when you avoid feeling certain emotions, like you can't welcome and open yourself up to pleasure, but push down pain. It's like either you feel everything or you feel nothing. And I always think of it as like on a spectrum, like the more pain you can tap into, the more space you create to feel pleasure. But women are cutting themselves off from pain, cutting themselves off from pleasure and getting to this point where they're not really feeling anything, right? That's where that numbness comes up in sex and just day to day, like feeling really like switched off and disconnected um, and maybe even like a little bit depressed, right? It's when you're not fully feeling everything that's coming up. And like my, the, the last year of my life has been like, there's been a lot of personal stuff coming up for me. So it has been a huge time for healing. But what I've really learned is that the more, First of all, what I've learned is that the only thing that's more painful or more uncomfortable than pain is numbness, right? Because when you're feeling, it doesn't matter if it's pain or pleasure, when you're deeply feeling these emotions, you feel alive, right? And that's what it is to live life and to um, fully be alive is to feel everything, to welcome it all. 
that's what makes our lives more colourful. Exactly. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to end on that note. Yeah. To really open up to feel everything and therefore allow more of life to flow through. Mm. I love that. So thank you again for your presence and your wisdom and for our auspicious connection that was caught by the great spirit (laughs) and um yeah i mean below i will put the link uh for people to um see your shop and i'll give them a discount code and um of course um all the other information regarding how they can find you on instagram and Mm -hmm. your website and different programs you've created yeah i really honor and respect how you present and how you share and it's really been a pleasure to uh, connect with you here finally (laughs) thank you so much it was such a juicy chat you're listening to the make love to life podcast the place where we uncover all the barriers that prevent you from experiencing deeper intimacy if you are looking to attract love and authentic partnership then hit the subscribe button and go to my website nalayachakana.com to sign up for my private group, Make Love to Life. See you there.